how good you sound from up here. Some of you have a pretty good idea how you sound, but most of you together, it was absolutely breathtaking. That old hymn, we sing so many new songs. We sing songs that frankly, sometimes I need a roadmap to follow. I don't do real good on the rounds thing where this side does some, I get lost somewhere in the middle. My wife will, my wife will testify to that. And we sing those old hymns of the faith, no matter how they're put together. And there is just something about the hymn, Jesus paid it all. When in him I stand complete, not lacking, not wanting, not wishing, not waiting, but complete and perfect. Someday, if you are in Christ, you will stand in heaven before the throne and you will be complete and perfect. No more pain, no more sorrow, no more hurts. All eternity, perfect and complete. Man, if that don't light your fire, your wood's wet. This morning, we're going to turn back to the book of Luke, 22nd chapter. Uh, if you're looking for a title, I'm not real big on titles, but if you need a title to write in your notes, the title of this passage of Scripture would be called The Last and the First. If you'll remember from last week, which if you're like most of us, last week seemed like quite a ways away, seemed like it was forever away sometimes. If you'll remember, Jesus has had the upper room prepared, and they find themselves in that place. They come to that place, and it is ready to receive what will happen there this evening. It is a special time in the nation of Israel. For the average Jewish man or woman, Passover is significant. It is a day of the year that cannot and will not go unnoticed on their calendar. It is a high holy day for them. We as Christians sometimes don't fully understand the significance of what they went through. We don't fully understand what it meant to sit down and observe Passover. But these folks, they understood. They had lived through it. Their families had lived through it. From the day they were very young, the story of the Passover had been recounted for them once a year, every year of their life. Luke twenty-two fourteen. when the hour had come, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. The day was done. The sun had set. It had went behind the clouds, as they say in poetry, and Passover had begun. It started at night. These Jewish folks were gathered together with Jesus in the upper room to, deserve, to observe that night. It was a solemn time of remembering. It was the night they remembered that God sent the death angel as the final plague to Egypt. And in that, that bloodbath, he killed the firstborn of all the Egyptians and all those that did not put the blood of the lamb on the lintel in the doorpost of their home. You know, I started thinking about this week. My salvation has a path of blood to it that is just almost unbelievable. 
from the time Moses was born and they set out to kill all of the young Hebrew boys, from the time Christ was born and they set out to kill all the Hebrew boys born about this certain time, and then Christ going to the cross, the Passover. There is a trail of blood that leads to the throne of God that I am swimming in, that all of us can partake in, but Christianity is not a clean salvation. Frankly, God shed a lot of blood to get us to this point. And the most precious of that blood will come very soon from his son. If you think about it, the Passover and the last plague upon Egypt was one that brought destruction and pain and hurt and fear. And yet at the same time, our God brought joy and peace and life. I want you to read with me this morning from the book of Exodus so that we understand what Passover is all about. Passover for us sometimes as Christians, as Americans, we don't do it justice. We, uh, we just kind of glance over it. We talk about it being the Passover. Maybe, maybe the preacher will talk about it. Maybe a Sunday school teacher will hit it. Maybe we'll uh, you know, make a reference to it, but we really don't spend a lot of time with it. From the book of Exodus in the 12th chapter, we read, now you shall eat it, in this manner. With your loins girded, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will go through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike down down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both men and beast, against all the gods of Israel. I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live. When I see it, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. That is what Passover is about. That is what this entire passage of Scripture hinges upon. And it's so important to understand the place in Jewish tradition and Jewish customs in the Jewish faith and to understand how it affected these men So that as we look at it and we understand what's going to happen in this passage the very next day, that it begins to draw it all together for us. Unlike the first Passover, this Passover tonight is going to be done a little bit differently. How many of you eat meals on the run? How many of you have eaten in your car? Have you ever bought a new car and said, I will never eat in it? Last week, I dropped a french fry in my new truck. I pulled over and got out and found it. (laughs) Okay, For years, you could have lived three days off the food underneath the seat of my old truck. You wouldn't have been healthy, but you'd have been alive. But we, we eat in such a fast pace. We have fast food, which, by the way, no longer is served fast. We, we have microwave stuff, and some of it I'm not even really sure is food. And Tony and I just purchased an air fryer, okay? It's a double air fryer. Ooh, it's still in the box. I don't know what to do with it. Okay? But we want everything fast. The meal that they ate on the night of the Passover, if you, if you were paying attention, was done with their loins girded, sandals on their feet, the staff in their hands. They were ready to move. 
God was going to move them and wanted them ready to go. It has changed by the time Jesus celebrates the Passover with his disciples. There's been some traditions enter in, things have slowed down. It's not quite as hurried as it once was. And speaking of hurried, I started this morning and I hurried through and I forgot to do one very important thing. I forgot to pray for us this morning. Please forgive me and join me as we beseech the throne. Father God, bowing to the tyrant of the urgent, bowing to the clock and knowing where the time is, Lord, forgive me for not begging and asking your guidance and clearance this morning. I'd ask for my friends and family here that you would open our hearts and our eyes, that you would minister to us, that you would nurture that dark spot, get into that place in our hearts where only you can go, where your word brings life and a river of life that we may swim in it. Lord, just guide me this morning as I guide our friends through your word. And we ask these things not because I or anybody else is worthy, but because you are. And it's in Christ's name we ask and pray. Amen. Unlike this first Passover meal, this meal is going to be slow and deliberate. They're going to take their time. You can tell by the fact that Jesus reclined at the table. Verse 14 says he reclined at the table and apostles with him. We don't eat like this. How many of you have a child at home that eats laying down? You ever watch a teenager eat? A teenager can eat in almost any position. I think even upside down. I can't do it. I have to sit up. And, and in this picture, Jesus is reclined at the table, feet away from the table. It would be the last God-honoring Passover that could ever be held. Because on this night, the Passover was being served by the very Lamb of God. You see, after this night, everything changes. Life changes. Eternity changes. The one who is serving the meal tonight will become the very Passover Lamb himself. And any Passover held after this point would fly in the face of the new covenant that was about ready to be framed and formed for tomorrow, the new covenant becomes in effect. Jesus goes to the cross. Tomorrow, the blood of millions of, of sheep and goats or sheep and lambs that have been sacrificed over the years becomes washed away at the blood of a single perfect God-man on the cross. Passover is completed. Passover will never be celebrated this way again. But tonight, Passover is with Jesus. What a neat time this must have been in the upper room for these guys as they're there and they prepared the room and the elements are there and knowing the history of Passover and being taught these things as a child and following them themselves to sit down with the one they call the Lord to sit down and have Passover must have been amazing. But quickly, there's some things in the passage here that we don't normally see and hear. Uh, I wanted to run through them. It's got to be quick because the clock is a, a tyrant. The Passover feast usually took a period of hours and involved several stages, and there was lots of conversation. How many of you like to go ha have dinner or sit down with dinner, and don't you really enjoy the conversation around the table? I do. It's, it's more important for me when I sit down to eat with someone that we have a conversation than we eat. 
Okay, if, if I am with people that I love and enjoy, I can have a peanut butter jelly sandwich and be thrilled, provided we are talking and sharing our lives together. That would have happened during this night. It would start with a prayer of thanksgiving for God and his preservation, deliverance, goodness, and blessing. Secondly, it would be the first of four cups that would be drank of diluted wine. It's the cup of blessing. After that, there was a symbolic washing of hands, the need of cleansing from sin. And then they ate bitter herbs and unleavened bread dipped in a paste made from nuts and fruit. And it looked just like the collar of the mud they would have used to make the bricks while they were in Egypt. Very much a reminder of what they'd been through. Then they would sing Psalms 113 and 114, the first Hallel Psalm. The second cup would be consumed. The Father, or in this case Jesus, would explain the meaning of the Passovers. How many of you have been through things so many times you could teach them yourself or you know them? So maybe at work you have to go through some kind of safety training or some kind of orientation. And after about the fifth or sixth time, you're like, I could teach this class. But Jesus sits down as the Father would at every Passover and explains exactly what it was all about. The main meal is consumed, a sacrificial lamb and unleavened bread. A third cup of diluted wine is consumed. And finally, the ceremony closed with more singing, and they finished the fourth cup. So this wasn't just a little tiny event. This was a big event. This was a big doing. This was something they planned for. And then in verse 15, Jesus says, back in Luke 22, and he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover before, with you before I suffer. The word desire, strongly desire, is he had a desire of desires. It is a, an amplified form of the word. It's, it's a longing, a yearning, a strong desire to spend time with them serving and, and having this Passover. It wasn't, hey, I just want to go. It's, I really want to go. I need to go. Have you ever had someone go away for a while? And then when they start to come back or they get ready to come back, the fire begins to burn inside to see them. When our son was in the Air Force, the first time he went to Iraq, we watched him leave that day. He got in the car and he drove away and I, and I stood there at the end of my driveway and cried. Yes, I cry. I'm a, I'm a very emotional guy on the inside. And I didn't know whether I'd ever see him again or not. And then when he returned, we had a chance to go see him. And it was all I could do to contain myself to go see my son. I needed to see my son. There was a desire. It was all I could think about Tony. And I was thinking about going and seeing Joshua. I want to go see my son. I want to put my arms around him. I want to smell him. I want to look in his eyes. I want to kiss him on the face. I want to, I want to be with him. It's that kind of desire Jesus had to spend his night serving and being a part of Passover with his disciples. It wasn't just, I want to do this. It was a, I must do this. He had set the stage. He had picked all the elements. He had put everything into place. Think about it. Every year he celebrated Passover. He was one year closer to the cross. If time is a tyrant, he knew the tyrant personally. Here tonight, the Lamb of God would once again taste that sacrificial lamb. He would eat the unleavened bread. He would drink from the cup. He would dine on bitter herbs. He knew that that night, later that night, he would be betrayed. And yet his desire was to be there with his disciples 
serving and observing the Passover. Although he knew what was coming, and all fraught with suffering and pain, there is a promise of future joys. The suffering that he was going to face is greater than any of us will ever fully recognize and know. We cannot know. Verse 16 of uh, Luke 22, For I say to you, I shall never eat it again until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Come with me to Hebrews 12, 2. I want to turn some pages this morning because I think that's a, a great sound to have in a church service of people searching through. If you have to click or you know, open something, that's cool. Um, I, I like the printed page myself. Hebrews 12, 2. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for joy set before him, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, has sat down at the right hand of the, of the throne of God. Wonder what that joy was. Wonder what that joy was that he was set and ready to receive. Wonder why he endured all those things. Turn with me to the last book of the New Testament, the book of the Revelation, chapter 19. Verse 6, we're going to read 6 through 9. Then I heard something like a voice of a great multitude, like the sound of many waters, like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice, be glad, and give, him, give the glory to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are true words of God. Who is invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb? It's those that he died for and that placed their faith in him and accept him as Lord and Savior. The joy that he is waiting for is that time when all of us are gathered together at the marriage supper of the Lamb. And it's by invitation only. You're not going to get it in the mail. You're not going to get an email or a text message. The invitation is simply this. Put your faith in Christ and you will receive an invitation to the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's the joy that was before him. The joy of having his children and his bride together with him in heaven. And then back in Luke verse 17, when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he said, Take this and share it among yourselves. How many of you have ever used a common cup in communion? And you, you can raise your hand. You may not want to in this day and age. You may want to keep your hands in your pockets. Dale Davis and I went to Estonia, and we were fortunate enough to go to Solemn Church with Lyndon Vinalas. And Lyndon was translating for us, much like uh, Beth did for us in Haiti. Because frankly, I don't, I don't speak Estonian. I, I babble a lot, but I don't know Estonian. And so he was interpreting, and, and you know, you think you know from all the years you've done this, you think you know what's being said. But until you get there, you realize, I really don't know what's being said. And you sing a song, and you recognize the beat and the rhythm and the notes. But you know what? You don't know the words. And I'm listening to this man, and it's time to do communion, and we go up, and there's a loaf of bread, and there's one glass of wine. And you pick it up, and you take a drink, and you set it down, and the guy wipes your lip mark off, and the next guy comes up, 
He wipes it off again. That's what Jesus is saying. Look, share this among yourselves, a communal cup. They were being knitted together, not only in the act of taking the cup, but drinking from the same cup. We don't do that for health reasons nowadays, and sometimes I think we may miss that. But the common cup was that to draw them all together into the same focus. And then verse 18, For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until the kingdom of God comes. Another stark reminder that this is the last Passover on earth. Our next Passover will be held in heaven. And in that, we won't celebrate the exodus. We'll celebrate what Christ has done for us and what Christ has done in general. It is in that moment, in that place, in that time where all of us together will celebrate in a way that we can't even begin to imagine. But in this passage of Scripture here at verse 19, we find ourselves faced with not the last of something, but the first of something. Here is the first communion to be served. In this place where one way is passing away, God is instituting another. So with that, I'm going to ask our deacons to come down, and we're going to, we are going to observe communion this morning. We have an open table here at JIBC which means the only requirement is is that you have a, a working relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, that you know him as Lord and Savior. We don't, um, we don't expect membership to be a part of this. We expect this to just be something that is done because of your love for the Lord. I will say this, that at no time will any of these elements, boy, you're tall. It's like trying to look around a column, you know. At this time, no element will change. Nothing will become something other than what it is. The crackers will remain crackers. The orange juice or the, the grape juice, yeah, the grape juice will remain grape juice. Nothing happens. There's no ringing of the bell. There's no mystical thing. This will not save you. This does not make you fit for heaven. This is simply an observance of what Christ has done for us. The bread. Kingdom. Who's going to be on the left? Who's going to be on the right? I say I'm better than you. So the room would have had some noise in it. I wanted the first part of this to be quiet because quiet makes us look inside. But just so you know, although we're going to remain quiet with no music, during this time, the disciples would have bantered and talked back and forth. They would have begun the discussion about truly who is the greatest. And the greatest at that time sitting in that room would have been Jesus. But once again, human, they were looking for something more. I'm going to ask a blessing on the cup. Father God, we'd ask that now as we take the cup and we share it amongst each other in our own little vials that we would enjoy the sense of community, a sense of communion with each other, that we would not forget why you have done this, that we would never forget the significance of the shed blood of Jesus Christ, and that by partaking of this, we understand that that suffering and that bleeding was for us, not because we are worthy, but because you are worthy. And Lord, we ask your blessing upon it in Christ's name. Amen.
taking the bread and then passing the cup around, he says, this is the new covenant. The old is going to pass away. The old way is going to pass away. The new covenant has come. And I don't believe he would have had to have said, here, take and drink. I believe as the cup came to each one of those men, they gladly took that cup and took a drink. And I challenge you now all to do the same. Jesus said, this is the new covenant. But what is that new covenant? What does that mean? Jeremiah 31 says, this is the covenant which I make with the house of Israel after those days declares the Lord, I will put my law within them and on their heart I will write it and I will be their God and they shall be my children. The new covenant is more inward. God puts his law in our heart. No more tablets. There are scrolls where he has dictated his word and holy men will write it down, but God puts his law in our heart. Writes it on your heart. Those of you that are believers know what that means. That means when God writes something on your heart, you know it's there. And every time you go against what he's written on your heart, you feel the burn. You feel the hurt. You feel the sensation, I do, of disappointing the one that saved me, that gave his life for me. The new covenant is more relational. They shall be my people, and he shall be their God. Colossians 1.27 has one of the greatest little passages in all of Scripture in it. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Do you have hope today? You're not going to find it on TV. You're not going to find it at the British Open. Pardon me, the Open. You're not going to find it anywhere else on the face of the earth. The only place you're going to find hope is in Christ. Your life running off the rails. Feel like things out of control. You're watching the news way too much and fussing and fretting about what's happening, I would recommend that you find your hope in Christ, that you look inside and allow his dwelling inside you to be the hope that you need to get you through the days. Verse 21, Behold, the hand of the one betraying me is with mine on the table. Judas had seen it all. He had seen the miracles. He had seen Jairus' daughter raised, the woman with the issue of blood, the leper. Leprous cleansed, he had seen it all. And yet, Satan entered in, and for 40 pieces of silver, he sold our Savior out. Only to find himself hanging in a tree. For indeed, the Son of Man is going as it is determined, but woe to the man who has betrayed me. This battle started clear back in the book of Genesis in 315. Proto-Evangelum, the promise of a coming Savior. And this day, it would be fulfilled. At the end of this meal, Jesus would be betrayed. He would be beaten, he would be whipped, he would be scourged, and he would eventually be crucified. Satan, thinking he had won a great battle, lost the greatest battle ever fought. Jesus wins. Write it down. It's done. And then verse 23, one of my favorites. How many of you have ever been in a meeting where somebody had to figure out who was in charge? Do you, do, you know, do you know why we have to call people Mr. or Mrs. or your teacher Mr. or Mrs. or your boss by a certain name? Because if you don't, the whole thing runs off the rails. 
these guys were trying to figure out who was the greatest among them, when in all actuality, the greatest one was sitting in the middle of the table. Jesus himself was the greatest among them. Is he the greatest in your life? Do you know him? Have you had an encounter with Christ? Have you asked him to be your Lord and Savior? Will I see you at the marriage supper of the Lamb? The marriage supper of the Lamb, I have, I have an earnest desire to see my parents. But I'm not hurrying, okay? I'm not leaving early unless God dictates. I'm not doing anything to facilitate that. But in that morning, I will be, re- I will be, I will be again in the presence of those that I have loved and the one who died for me. Can you say that this morning? Do you know that to be true in your heart? If you don't, see one of us elders. Talk to one of us. We'd love, 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 love to share the word of God with you. Because there's nothing else in the world that will create the hope in you that you need to get through the day. Just like these men had around the table. Let's pray. Father God, we're grateful for the time you've given us, for the musicians, for the elements of communion, for the strength and power of your word. Not the things I have said, but the things that you put in your word the power that is there, the presence of the Holy Spirit to guide us. Lord, lead us now this day as we leave this place in safety. Lead us so that we may live our lives in a way that brings glory and honor and praise to you. For it's in that name, that name above all names, the name of Jesus that we ask and pray. Amen.